0: Welcome, everyone. I'm Sandra Bargeman. A few years ago, I wrote and performed a solo show called The Edge of Every Day, which was an exploration of the rough edges and contradictions we all face and grapple with. The show hit a nerve, and the relevance of the topic would only grow over time more than I could have foreseen. So. Here we are real talk with real people sharing stories and perspectives that spark provocative invitations to leap out of what's safe on the edge of every day. Thanks for listening. Hello everyone. We are live in the hive. Thank you for joining me on this, the 42nd episode of the edge of every day here on talkradio.nyc. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, and for those of you who don't know me yet, I encourage you to check out my bio on talkradio.nyc. Of course, you can visit my website, sandrabargeman.com, and please tune in to any of my previous episodes with my inspiring guests. As my loyal listeners know, this show is about celebrating triumphs, pushing boundaries and exploring rough edges. Through conversations and shared stories with friends and colleagues, it's my hope that we can begin to understand our edges. And what I mean by edges is those places where we are fearful. Those places where we are resistant to change. Those places where paradoxes and contradictions live in our beliefs and our understandings, both about ourselves and the world around us. Those places where we don't want to look. Listen, we live in turbulent times and we are coming to understand that life simply isn't black or white. It must be an embrace of both. And the more we recognize our own edges and get real about them, the more we can help others to do the same, and that, I fully believe, can help to change the world. So, thanks again for tuning in. And without further ado, it is time to introduce our guest this evening. Lynn Sedgmore is a certified coach, founder of the Goddess Luminary Wheel Teachings, poet, interfaith minister, priestess, healer, non-executive thought leader, and Enneagram teacher. Lynn is chair of the Glastonbury Town Deal, leading an investment of nearly 25 million pounds for the town. She is a certified coach and organizational community consultant working freelance with CEOs, chairs, senior leaders, and teams from the education, faith, charity, health, community, sport, and private sectors. She held three chief executive roles within further education in the UK for 17 years and has been a non-executive director on over 25 boards. Her previous roles include CEO of the 157 Group National Policy Think Tank of FE Colleges, CEO of the Center for Excellence in Leadership, SEL, Principal of Guildford College and Head of Croydon Business School. She was a member of the 2009 Prime Minister's UK-wide National Review of Public Sector Leadership. She has worked in 10 different countries to develop leadership. Lynn specializes in fostering high-performing and self-aware leaders, she combines academic rigor and practical organizational experience as a CEO alongside powerful insight, emotional intelligence, rapport, and the ability to be deeply present to the individual and organizational needs. She has a master's in change agent skills and strategies, and a doctorate in leadership of high-spirited high-performing cultures. Her organizations have won numerous national and international awards, including the International Spirit at Work Award and the British Diversity Award. She was awarded the CBE, standing for Commander of the Order of the British Empire in 2004 for services to further education, and was named one of the Debrett's 500 Most Influential People in the UK in 2015. And in 2016, she was named one of UK's 100 Women of Spirit. She founded the Goddess Luminary Leadership Wheel, Teachings, and authored the Goddess Luminary Leadership Wheel book in 2021. She is a published poet, priestess of Babylon, and ordained interfaith minister with One Spirit UK. Lynn is a mother, stepmother, and grandmother, and loves exploring different cultures and spiritualities. Hello and welcome, Lynn Sedgmore. Hi. Hi
1: delighted to be here. Thank
0: you. Oh, thank you. It is a great pleasure to to have you on the show. Thank you for coming on. And, you know, folks, that's just the tip of the iceberg, the CV. I could go on and on and on and on. But we only have an hour. So, we're going to dive in. As I like to do um with all of my guests, I like to share how I know my guests and I know Lynn through uh, edgewalkers.org. And I have hosted Judy Neal, who is the founder and the executive director of that organization. In fact, she's podcast number 28. Shout out to Judy Neal. Go back to uh, go look through my past uh, episodes and she's right there. Now, how do you know? Did you know Judy prior to her starting Edgewalkers or did you come in afterwards?
1: Yeah. Judy, uh, in the 90s, Judy, to me, was the absolute heroine of the woman who had developed spirit in work. Because I was exploring as dean of the business school and in other roles how to foster spirituality. So she was one of the greats. I mean it. She was a role model for me. She inspired me. And then we put in for the International Spirit at Work Award and one, Body Shop had uh, got it previously. And then in 2007, so I met Judy at the award ceremony in in Atlanta and she just blew me away. And she was, yeah. And then when she published Edgewalkers, I think Mm -hmm. she just had, I immediately said, please come to England, come and work with my staff, come and do workshop Mm -hmm. for us. So she did. And then that was the beginning of a very beautiful relationship and uh, just really enjoying each other and learning from each other. So, no, Judy, to me, I still I mean, I'm a bit like a little girl who's looking at this awesome woman because she just was such an inspiration to me. And she was such a forerunner and an edge walker in the spirituality in the workplace movement.
0: Yeah, modeling how we can synthesize and integrate spirituality in the, yeah. in the workforce. It's well, and we're seeing that in so many different industries now the, yeah. the integration of spirituality and marketing and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so I heard Lynn speak. This is literally how I was introduced to Lynn. Um, and Judy had invited me in to speak at one of the Edgewalker cafes, which is their online s- salon idea of bringing people into conversation and presentation and questioning and and a little bit of ritual and lynn gave a presentation on her goddess uh luminary leadership teachings and book and i was captivated by you lynn absolutely captivated i loved you you just your whole vibe everything you spoke about and So, what happened in that event that I want, because I have you as a guest, I want to honor that. The same way that we opened. I don't do a lot of ceremony, which is interesting. I do a lot of ritual and ceremony in so many. In my one-woman show, I do it in the salon. We just had a beautiful event in the salon that you, of all people, would have loved. Talk about integration! It was conversation and exquisite music by these groups, and some ritual. And one of the groups was integrating three different styles of music. It was positively mystical. It was absolutely glorious. But I wove into that. And what made me think of you was I, I gave a, um, an opening invocation prayer about the bee. And I had mentioned that it was the understanding the Native American wisdom of bee was woven into the edge of every day Communication, connection, collaboration, and common unity. And I also know that it is a sacred symbol of the goddess tradition, the Milisei. So I wanted to give that prayer in honor of you, opening up the Edge of Everyday podcast to a little bit of ritual. in honor of you, Lynn Sedgmore. So, and because I know that presence is such an important part of our work, of your work in leadership and in your teachings. So I'm going to invite everyone who's listening in. We're going to start with just 30 minutes, or 30, 30 minutes, just 30 seconds of quietude, of presence, And we will take a nice, deep breath together. And we will settle in starting now. And if your eyes are closed, you can come back. And I invite you all to notice how that felt. How being in quietude and presence in a Zoom gathering. How was that? And Lynn, please speak to us about your work with presence and then I will give the opening invocation.
1: For me, presence is at the heart of everything. Whatever the question, the issue, (laughs) the answer is presence. Mm. Because being able to be present and to do that in the midst of action and daily life, as well as in time that we may put aside to sit on the cushion um, or separate from our everyday lives, I think both are really important. Presence enables the direct connection channel manifestation of the divine and enables us to be and to access wisdom and presence and appropriate responses beyond our ego reactivity, in a nutshell.
0: Absolutely. My goodness. And, you know, it's funny, people think of presence as... You know, because we've had a moment of meditation and of quiet, that's not the only experience of presence, although it's powerful, you know, that that teaching oneself of the inner quietude is what we bring to every conversation. Were you a good meditator out of the gate?
1: Did you, you know? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> no, I really wasn't. I remember, I actually remember the first time uh, I, I was know. in the Buddhist sangha and I sat down to meditate as I had been taught in the classes. And I remember sitting there on the cushion and thinking, That must be ages. That must be half an hour. I've been ages. This is no word of a lie. I looked at my watch and it was three minutes. (laughs) And I remember thinking, I "I can't. I'm not going to be able to do this. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Because I'm an act. I'm an action person as well. So I have had to really learn and allow Mm. the skill of presencing, meditating, mm-hmm. being still, and beingness. I have had to learn it. It um it didn't come easily or naturally to me. Yeah,
0: no, and also the thing that in working with your students, I'm sure you you bump up against this this notion of the proper way of meditating, which drives me makes my head explode. Um, yeah. that this notion of yes, there are wonderful ways and wisdoms to look into. But at the end of the day, it's just you sitting down and being present to your own thoughts and and how you want
1: to process them. Yeah. And for some people, they're present in action. People, Mm. dancers, when they become the dance, the runner who becomes the running. That's another way of accessing presence. Mm. So I don't teach a particular way. Mm. Um, What I do is on my Luminary program, we are constantly presencing and being conscious about presencing. But what what my students find really liberating is I'm not saying there's a particular way, a right way. It's how do you find your way of accessing presence?
0: Totally. And that is at the heart of all of your work. Yes, which is what which is so exciting. It's, It's constantly the know thyself and to have these spectrums of things from which to choose that support us, in much the same way as you've chosen the goddess tradition. Uh, someone else may feel, uh, want to be in, in an organized religion and may be wanting to reform it from within, but but finds expansion within that. Okay, I see it is about one minute to break, so now... I would like to end this first quarter before we go into break with this beautiful prayer in honor of the goddess tradition and Lynn Sedgmore. It's from, it's called prayer to the bees and it's from the book of shadows that I have adapted. Wisdom of sacred bees. We call on you. Teach us the ways of transformation, the path from pollen to healing honey. Teach us to taste the essence of each place we alight, carrying that essence with us along our journey. Teach us the ways of hope, reminding us that what seems impossible may yet be achieved. Give us flight and sunlight, passion and productivity, cooperation with those around us. May we ever spiral out from our heart, searching for what we need, and return there once again to turn those discoveries into nourishment. Be spirit. We are grateful for you. And Blessed, so it is. Be.
2: Blessed, Blessed be. be.
0: Uh, so now we shall go to our commercial break. And when we come back with Lynn Sedgmore, we are going to dive in to conscious leadership and her teachings and book on the edge of every day. Stay tuned. On the edge of every, of every day, and we are back with Lynn Sedgmore. Okay, before we dive into conscious leadership, I have to start with enneagrams because I mm-hmm. oh, uh, you know, I know of enneagrams, but I didn't. I've never taken the test, and I know it's a wonderful tool for self-discovery and self-knowledge. But I personally have never taken the test. But I, in my research of you I, and and you talking about, it, I was like, okay. Um, and I listened to your podcast that was primarily on Enneagrams. And I said, I'm going to run and go do it. And so talk to us about Enneagrams. And then I have something fun to share with you.
1: Oh, I discovered the Enneagram in the early 1990s. It has changed my life. it um, I've tried almost every self-awareness tool there is. My first husband was a personnel manager. So he, I used to take all the ones that he did. <laughs> the Enneagram gave me this, and so what, you know? And when we talk about shadow or things that we don't see about ourselves, I never understood why people were scared of me. I just thought I was this cuddly teddy bear who spoke it as it was, frank and honest, straight talking. And it was only when I read about the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram type eight, which is the boss, the leader, in your face. And I just read it. And I just burst into tears. It's like, oh, I get it. I get it. It's my intensity. It's my over the topness. It's my, I think I'm giving love and passion and, and they're just like paled against the wall, you know, <laughs> completely overwhelmed. <laughs> so, so that's the kind of, that's what it did for me. And it's like, I couldn't get enough of it. I trained, I did all my training in America. Uh, in the 90s because there wasn't there wasn't the training I wanted to do with RISO and Hudson so I did all my training in America initially trained in in at least five different traditions but RISO Riso and Hudson I'm a complete Enneagram geek I'm I'm an absolute yeah which I got in that podcast which is why I was so excited (laughs) to talk
0: to you about it and and to learn about it quite frankly your passion around it and it wasn't just that Lynn guess what I took the test. Guess what I am? Go on, are you an eight? I'm an eight with a seven <laughs> yeah. wing. Yes, yeah, so am I. I knew I, that. I no, I, I know that. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I scream, I was like, you just have a fangirl crush on this edge And you, <laughs> yeah. you
1: just want to be the same. <laughs> Cause you are. That's why. <laughs> well, do you know what? When eight, when healthy eights meet other healthy eights, it's absolutely awesome and liberating Bingo. because we're not too much for each other. Because often Bingo, we're Bingo. too, we're too much. My mom always used to say, I will enough's enough now. Enough's enough. <laughs> That's enough. And I'm like, mom, I haven't got started yet. But yeah.
0: <laughs> know. I'm just warming up, man. Move, on, move on. Oh, oh, my Lord. Yeah. No, yeah. It, I wish I had like you had heard that before. It, it's really, you know, it's not something, it, it's not debilitating, but it's just lovely to have that structure in place. And to your work, using that understanding and and when other people are doing Enneagram work, which is why you've woven it so beautifully into your work, when they understand that about you,
1: Absolutely. They
0: can and you and you understand how people re- receive you, obviously, as you were saying. Yeah. You can begin to do that work to look within the shadow side. That's another thing of your work that is just so much about the edge of every day. The understanding of both and the embrace yeah. of both the light and the dark. And the understanding of the wholeness, the the, the quest for wholeness of. Yeah. Integrating both of those, so how do you use shadow work in with the enneagram?
1: Well, for me, the enneagram is a portal into shadow work. Yes, Yeah? yeah. Because you can have light shadows, positive shadows, yes, and as well as the if yes, you like, that you push away the more dark. So we can not own the positive of ourselves, as well as not see the toxic behaviours or the less um, healthy behaviours that we have. So for me, the enneagram is a portal and a framework, and there are many others as well. This just happens to be my passion, and it enables us to bring into the light, as Jung said you know, to bring into the light those parts of ourselves that we just don't get. That's the thing. I honestly didn't know why people were scared of me Um, and why they felt intimidated by me. So so that was the beginning of the journey for me. And then it was just so liberating. Uh, And I must have worked on the Enneagram with thousands of people. You know, in my organizations, I've offered it uh, to people who wanted it. I've seen teams turn themselves around and change their performance because they've understood each other. It's understanding your own perspective, your impact on others, and really seeing these different perspectives on the world. And that's why somebody behaves like that. And it gives you an understanding and a framework to engage with each other and to have the conversations about the the sticky bits or the problems or the conflicts. I I just think it's extraordinary. And it's an extraordinary tool.
0: Well, I've been inspired. I'm going to definitely uh, be in touch with you about um, yeah. doing some further further training yeah. with it. It's just been yeah. a, a great discovery. So let's dive into conscious leadership. What is conscious
1: leadership to you, Lynn? For me, well, it once links to the Enneagram conversation. Mm. It's it's being self aware. And having a conscious and genuine intention to be the best leader I am capable of being and to undertake a conscious journey of how can I, in whatever context I'm in, I mean anybody, be the best I'm capable of being. Because I knew from a very early age that I could be a bit of a monster. Um, and that is in the Enneagram profile. My mom used to tell me that, and, and I'm grateful to her now, although I used to be furious with her for it, because I was so able to do things and to take charge and to, you know, make everybody do my bidding, if you like. Um, so in that sense, conscious leadership for me is working towards being and I'm going to use the word a virtuous leader and I mean it in the Aristotle Aristotle way of how do we and the Enneagram has three Enneagrams the Enneagram of personality of the heart the virtues and the holy ideas Mm. so I want to be a good person. I, I, I'm unashamed about that because Enneagram 8s right. are the bad boys and girls, anyway, at the back of the Enneagram. So, in that sense, a conscious leader is saying, How do I do the best in a collective way alongside others to get the best results, the best collective working, the best outcomes, everybody thriving, if you like, to have a healthy, thriving. And conscious leadership enables the collective to be working to its optimal maximization and potential. Yes. Well, and I love
0: you saying, I'm unashamed to use this word virtuous, um, which people can receive, I would think, more easily than the word spiritual. I mean, you've combined your work in leadership. Were were you uh, uh, always conscious about wanting to bridge spirituality and leadership?
1: Okay, for me, from the age of six, I was asking, who's God? Where's God? How do I find God? Yeah. Yeah. So spirituality is like breathing for me. It's, it's, and it started off as religion, and then it's expanded into spirituality. And I'm a mystic, really. Yeah. What happened for me in 1989, I kept my world separate, as we often do within organizational life. But I'd begun to realize that actually the therapy work I was doing and the spiritual growth work I was doing was enabling my leadership to flow, right. more. And, and in 1989, I made that connection. And from then, I consciously wanted to integrate Mm. my spirituality without pushing it to anybody um, into my business life. And and I had a huge mystical experience in Skiros in Greece in 1989, and I'd been appointed a business school uh, dean. So I needed to come back from this deep mystical experience and be the dean of a business school. So it was a literal visceral daily integration because I couldn't keep them separate anymore I couldn't keep those parts of myself separate and that my doctorate is that journey actually Um, Mm. so that for me is when the integration and how do you do it when you are a senior leader Mm -hmm. without abusing your power without without pushing people into anything that they don't want so it's a very inclusive, open, accepting, fostering of spirituality. And people have come to me and say, "Oh, Lynn, when you talk about spirituality, I go like this." <laughs> totally. Yeah, and hey, I'm, hey, I'm hey. like, "Fine, go on." Yeah. Uh, the yeah. story, but you but don't need present. To take it on. Yeah, you uh, and people would feel liberated in the end because they're like, "Oh, if they'd had a negative experience with religion." They would be saying, oh, is she trying to convert me? Except, (laughs) You know, fair enough. So that inclusiveness, and because I'm an eight with intensity and passion, I had to learn how to offer it much more lightly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and it'd be a genuine invitation.
0: Indeed. And I, for me, I use humor with that. I I try to lead with humor, not with the intensity, which is what I had to learn to do. Yeah. Oh, fascinating, fascinating. Well, we have to go on break. And when we get back, we are going to dive into Goddess Luminary Leadership Wheel teachings and her book when we come back with Lynn Sedgmore on the edge of every day. So stay tuned. Are back with Lynn Sedgemore. So, uh, diving into to your Goddess Luminary Leadership Wheel work. So, uh, this is from Lynn's website. I offer a creative and powerful synthesis of the best of leadership development with an immersive experience of Goddess spirituality. Before we dive into, let, let's back up a bit. And how did you immerse into the goddess tradition? And then how did it evolve into this course and book?
1: Yeah, I I've, as I said, I've been exploring spirituality since I was six. And that included being brought up as a Christian, then 15 years as a practicing Buddhist, i then trained as an interfaith minister and have explored a whole range of religions. And I'm an experiential learner, so I would go and get involved in a Sufi community and uh, go and talk to Hindus, go to the synagogue. So I, I was doing that for a very long time. and um, knew goddess spirituality as a second wave feminist in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. Twice. But I felt quite okay in patriarchal religions, actually. I knew the issues with them, but I I liked exploring mystical spirituality. But 10 years ago, I decided I was going to immerse myself into goddess spirituality, and I came to Glastonbury where I've been coming for the previous 20 years and so for the past 10 years I've been really involved and immersed in the Priestess of Avalon tradition uh, founded by Kathy Jones uh, it's an avalonian tradition of the land in Glastonbury it's a celtic um tradition so I've immersed myself in that and decided that I wanted to do my own leadership program and so Was there anything more edgy than (laughs) a leadership I could have put anything in the middle, to be honest, (laughs) if I'm honest. I was just about to say that, yeah. Yeah, I could have. And I ran a leadership center for four years where 40,000 leaders came through. So I experimented with every form of leadership, including presence and leadership, So I I decided I would do it through a goddess spirituality lens because it was really edgy, thinking nobody would be interested. And it's a great
0: political statement.
1: Yeah, and it's a radical de- femin- it's a radical feminist act yes. to encourage people if they want to have spirituality in their leadership to imagine an image and relate to the divine as female. So yeah, yeah it's a female goddess in the centre, not a transgender or a neutral, um, a gender neutral. It's a conscious, radical act to do this at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, so, what is feminism to you? With all, and how does it? Obviously, it's the biggest connection with the work that you're
1: doing. Yeah, I was and, a f- and bridging that second wave to the work that you're yeah, doing. Now. I I became a feminist at seventeen. I'm sixty six now, so we're right, you know, in the second wave. Well, of course, at that time it was woman in a particular biological perspective. You know, feminism for me is fighting. Um, and wanting to liberate people from social injustice, oppressive exactly. systems based on gender. Yeah. And in those days, you know, Helen Reddy, I am woman, yes. hear me draw. We had a particular solidarity of what being a woman was. And I teach feminism uh, in charities and other places, but the second, third, fourth waves of feminisms have become more inclusive, Kimberley Cren- Crenshaw's work on intersectionality. Yeah. So that I'm totally an intersectional feminist now, which is that really all oppressions need to be dealt with. You know, there are feminisms. There are so many different types of feminism. I so like whether you means. see patriarchy as the core or capitalism as the core or whatever the nature, but I think the difference in fourth wave and current feminism is all oppressions matter and must have equal attention, Um, and we still live within a system where patriarchy is very strong, uh, and women, however we define woman today, is still um, oppressed on the basis of gender and stereotypes and other things related to woman. Yeah.
0: Oh my goodness. Yes. And, and, and of course, this just begs this question, power, the relationship of power and Absolutely. In, in your work and what is feminine power and how is, how are you working on that in your teachings and getting that mm-hmm. message through your book?
1: Question for me, Uh-oh. doing, and I write about this in the book is saying that, Goddess spirituality is the sweetness and the um, softness and the gentleness. I'm not working from binary stereo of male and female goddess spirituality has everything in it there's the dark goddess the fierce goddess the gentle goddess it's the whole spectrum so for me my work is for men women and people of whatever gender identification it's how do you access the whole spectrum of what it means to be a spiritually divine human being yeah And to enable all of those aspects to be expressed in us. So I've developed a power because power pathways is an important part. And to be honest, I find every course I do, I'm on the uh, the third cohort at the moment, is the relationship with power is so liberating. I spent a lot of time and energy on that in the course. So in that sense... This isn't a a binary or a stereotypical male-female. It's beyond that. It's everybody can express the parts of themselves that are underdeveloped and haven't been fostered or encouraged. This is the edge of every day again. The yeah. light and the dark
0: all together to lift up to the next level, The invitation yeah. to lift to the next understanding. Oh, I just so love yeah. it. So so I have a copy of the book, everyone. I, I hate doing this. Let's see. It's fantastic. how How did you structure this, Lynn? talk talk to us about this book.
1: Right, I think without covid I may not have written it actually. Oh, that's right, yes. Yeah, because COVID I was called you I was, forward. Yeah. I love this. I was already running the course. I'd written it Kathy Jones and it asked me to to develop something for her for the um for her temple teachings. I actually said, no, thank you, Kathy. I need to do anything else like a hole in the head. No. And then it started to flow through. So it's inspired by the Avalonian wheel um, and the same directions, but it's a distinctly different um, wheel of its own. So I taught, um, Two spirals, ones, and a spiral, two. Then we went into COVID, had to go online. So really, I had a framework, which is the programme. It was seven weekends. Um, So this is spiral one. And so I pieced it together around the themes that the, because what it has is it's a moon wheel. It's a moon wheel. Mm. We have elements, archetypes, and goddess gnosis is at the center. And then I've taken the best of, if you like, more mainstream leadership, which is ways of knowing, paths of power, being leaderful, I've mm-hmm. built on Raylene's work and done quite a lot of work about being leaderful, and states of being. So it's a kind of shamanic, you could, it needn't have goddess in it, not that I I love doing goddess spirituality, but it's a shamanic, there's ceremony, it's on the earth, it's on the land, we work with the elements, mm-hmm. uh, labyrinths feature quite strongly. So, so it's a real mix, and... People were saying to me, write the book, write the book. Students were saying we'd love to have it. So when we went online on COVID, I started to write them workbooks. So it was, I was teaching it. Then I wrote the workbooks. And then I'm thinking, oh, I can see how I could turn this into a book. And Tim Ward at Change uh, Makers of the John Hunt, he loved it on site and, and wanted to publish it straight away because he had written a book on on man, his male as a man search for goddess. So he and he's the chief exec of his own publishing company. So when he got my manuscript, he just got it straight away. It was lovely, and I had no idea that I had sent this to the perfect person, oh. <laughs> and he loved it. Yeah,
0: synchronicity. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah. it's run don't walk. I, I I must confess I haven't finished it, but I'm well into it. It is absolutely chock full of resources yeah exercises and for people like you and i people who like change and like you know it's broken up in a way that is so good you you you're you you're You're always switching gears, which I loved, and you know, and and breaking it up, and coming from this perspective, and then throwing in a resource, and throwing in a conversation, and then an exercise. It's fantastic, and I don't know if your ears were burning, but Judy Neil and I were like, I said, you know, I had booked Lynn Sedgemore on on the podcast, and she goes, oh, I want to go and take her course. I said, I
1: too. Brilliant. That's know. Totally brilliant. We have a lot of fun, I tell you.
0: I rest assured. I rest (laughs) assured. Oh, my goodness. Well, we are a minute to break, so I'm not going to ask you another question right at the moment. I'll wait till we come back after the break. When we do come back, um, we're going to, of course, get into your leading edge, Lynn, and find out how people can find you. And then we will see what kind of time we have left. Then I have a few fun questions I may ask okay. you. Go ahead. So stay with us on the edge of every day, folks.
3: Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic.
0: back with Lynn Sedgemore. So before I dive into your leading edge, I do also want to, to let everyone know that you have, I, I mentioned in your CV that you are a published poet. You have three books of poetry and chants, and you're also a songwriter. Uh, Enlivenment, Healing Through the Goddess, and Crone Times. Yep. I love that. In our pre-chat, I, I was like, oh, I'm, I've I've reached the big six zero. Oh, I can I'm hashtag crone, full on crone. And you were like, yes, embrace that crone. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, so, and we're gonna hear one of those poems when we close. But so, leading, what's your leading edge these days? I mean, y- y- you, the book is still pretty new, and you you've got a lot. We're just emerging out of COVID, so maybe. Maybe it's not something you've been doing a lot of thinking about. There's still newness with all of that. But is there some project uh, that you still are dreaming of doing and that you've kind of pushed, keep pushing back on a timeline that is calling to you post-COVID?
1: Well, not, sort of not really. I mean, becoming the chair of the town deal, I'm loving it. I'd, I'd vowed I would never chair Another board again I would never go on another board and this is the only one that I uh, actually I'm on two others as well but basically this total regeneration of skills and buildings and capital in a small market town is absolutely fantastic Mm -hmm. and you know what we had a civil servant I've got to share this the other day civil servants always like talk everything down And she she fed back and she said this is our golden child project the Glastonbury project is shimmering and we and we all just sat there and looked at each other it's like I've worked for civil with civil servants for years and we're just like did she just say that did she just and say shimmering yeah did she really just use that word yeah. oh that's brilliant I have to tell my
0: my husband who works so in I'm, yeah
1: I'm finding this really exciting actually the things that I really want to push myself into is being more crafty you know oh, it's lovely yeah and I've just started making prayer beads actually. <gasps> Um, I decided to do the they don't know that yet, so they won't be listening. For my students who dedicate this weekend, my uh this this year's cohort one, and I'm making uh prayer beads for them. And you know, I'm absolutely loving it. So at the moment in my head, my whole new way of being is to be a jewelry maker with with prayer beads. <laughs>
0: I totally love that. To- totally feeling that. So the yeah. the timing of your teachings. So, people can find your book on your website uh, and at Amazon, and they can make a call. I always say this if you want it at your local bookstore, go
1: in and tell them. Yeah, to it's, order in, this it's in book. a lot of places. Yeah, it's in yeah. a lot of bookstores. Yeah, online. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, So, um, and, and other
0: reasons, you're. So also on your website, I want to make sure people know this, is that you have a lot of publications as well. The leaderful publication is exquisite. Tell us quickly about that.
1: Yeah, um, what I did, having done my doctorate in 2013, I I was writing very academically. So I wrote a document for my students, which was leaderful, which is a monograph, really. It's a colourful monograph. And I can send that to people online. It's on the website. And that enabled me to write in a more accessible way by the time I got to the Goddess Luminary Wheel book. But yes, I've written, um, I'm published. um, I'm not, I don't call myself an academic i'm a i'm a practitioner scholar that's what i call myself i'm a a good chief exec a good chair of things but i do like writing creatively and academically yes i've got quite a list of publications and and quite a lot's been written on my work um yeah well well, yet one more thing
0: i love about you is is your your desire to integrate integrate the very masculine rigor of academia with a a more a larger flow more intuitive and creative writing and yeah
1: my my supervisor didn't like that i rest (laughs)
0: assured you're on the cutting edge and no one everyone always wants to chop this into either or and when you refuse you know when i was we lynn and i are both interfaith ministers when i went was ordained I was building a website and I had both my spirituality and my, all my acting and creative life and, and coaching and counseling on there. And I lost a voiceover agent because he saw the word spiritual and he jumped to, you know, like she's gone off the deep end. And now it's much more, it, people are understanding there's a better integration, but still, we still have work to do in that category. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Here's my fun question for you. And then we'll see. We'll ask Sam how much more time we have. Um, uh, If you could spend an hour with I I was going to say woman, but it can be anyone um, in history.
1: Who would it be and why? Oh, wow. Actually, it's not a woman. It would be Gandhi. it. It would be Gandhi. It would be Gandhi. He's my absolute. Total what what that man achieved in terms of um, decolonization, you know from a spiritual perspective and I know i've I've read things people criticizing him, but it's like for me, Martin Luther King is would be the other one as well, but Gandhi did something, uh, and I do love India. I've spent a lot of time in India. I, I'm so drawn. Very
0: visceral reaction to India.
1: Yeah, so Gandhi. Uh, to I would love to be in his ashram <laughs> and spend time uh, around that, and, and the reason is. Because he achieved so much with non-ahimsa non-violent. his mother was a Jain, I love Jainism mm. um so in that sense, here was someone who achieved so much but in such a nonviolent way, in such a spiritual, deep way, but he basically toppled an empire away from um uh, India. I mean, I know partition followed in all sorts, but when you look at his intent and his purity and the way that he was never enticed in any way by material things, yeah it
0: is rather profoundly yeah just quite yeah. extraordinary I love that choice yeah um if uh if you had a theme song
1: <laughs> what would it be <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing I cannot do. Yes, <laughs> I don't know where that's just come from, but yes. I've never. There's nothing I cannot do. You know, it'd be a real raunchy kind yes. of writing. Yes. Oh, there's nothing. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I, do, do I feel a writing
0: session coming on? <laughs> <laughs> could yeah, you're to
1: write. Oh, that's fantastic.
0: <laughs> a bluesy song. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> We just had a whole bunch of people at my house uh, for this event we did in the plum. And uh, my girlfriend stayed and helped a little bit. and, And she was good friends with one of the performers. And she said to me, you need to write a blues song set called up to speed. Same kind of vibe. Get up to speed. Come on, everybody. Let's all get up to speed. Same vibe. Oh my God. I love it. Well, so Um, We've talked about where we can find your book, your publications, your all of the incredible resources on your website. If there's one bit of advice that you can give to young, younger women, you've got daughters and granddaughters. What is your advice to women moving into leadership roles? What, What advice can you leave them with?
1: Right. For me, it's really knowing who you are, knowing what oh, your is passion is, and also understanding that you do need a certain level of competence in the world. Yeah. Oh. That, that you need. So it's, and I take this, this isn't, I didn't invent this. This is Gareth Jones. Be yourself with skill and, and, and know what it is you want to contribute to the world. What I love about young people, particularly social, spiritual entrepreneurs these days, because my yes, granddaughters indeed. are 20 and um, 16, is is how they want to change the world for the better, as well as have a good life, which is hard for youngsters today because there's so many obstacles. So it's be yourself with skill, know your passion, and really find mentors as well and mm. people who can help you to, who believe in you, who support you, who encourage you. I've always had people encouraging me and I give a lot back in that way Mm, because I think paying it forward is really important. So know who you are, know what your passion is, get your skill base really well and find a support, a coach, a mentor, uh, an infuser who will actually be there for you and help you and support you. Spectacular, and and you know a mentor
0: and a support system, both male and female. But I believe that women are more eager to step into that mentorship role these days, yeah. which is glorious. So, Sedgemore dot uh, where your website again? <laughs> I think Lynn it's, <laughs> All you have to do is is google Lynn sedgemore <laughs> Yeah, and this will all be in the notes people. All you have to do is google Lynn Sedgmore, but I believe it's .co.uk. Yeah,
1: I think and, you're right. And, yeah. and
0: um and all of the things that we have discussed you can find on that website. She is uh, on you're also on LinkedIn and Facebook. So you can find her on social media and connect with her there. Uh, or you can travel to Glastonbury and take her, yeah. up, uh, which I'm considering um, having <laughs> uh, being a part of of her wonderful teachings. Lynn Sedgemore, thank you so much. I'm going to close us out. Um, I'm going to thank you first and then close us out with one of your prayers. Thank you so, so much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom and your talent and your leadership.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to talk, and it's terrific. I've loved it. It's been (laughs) a blast.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And this is a closing prayer by Lynn Sedgmore. Prayer for my service in the world. My heart expands in your love, Mother. My heart expands in your love, spreading service into the world. I pray for you to uphold me, protect me, nourish me, and enfold me. Give me strength and clarity to work for the mother world. To keep my vow before you, I bow in love and reverence. And so it is. Blessed be. Absolutely beautiful. Remember, folks, you are always at the edge of the miraculous. Until we speak again, stay well.